This is an RNZ podcast. Last week, most of the news about politics here was coronavirus-related, and this went under the radar a little. Facebook's making it compulsory for New Zealand politicians and parties to sign up to a transparency tool if they want to advertise in the lead-up to the election in September. From next month, the website will require political advertisers here to clearly mark their advertising on the social media site. Ads referencing politicians, social issues, the elections or political parties will need to confirm those ads, whose ads they are and how to contact them. The ads will be stored so people can see how much they cost and who interacted with them. That's an interesting development and it also means that offshore interests won't be able to post on Facebook ads referring to political figures, parties, social issues or our election during the campaign. Now, during the 2017 election campaign, this wasn't much of an issue, but back then we were still finding out just what went on in the US election the year before and the Brexit referendum before that. In March 2018, the media revealed that Cambridge Analytica had made illegal use of the personal Facebook data of tens of millions of people for Donald Trump's presidential campaign, as well as the Leave the EU campaign in the UK. And that's now the subject of criminal investigations in both countries that are still going on. But the founder of Cambridge Analytica's parent company still seems to have no regrets. The question of morality in using these tools is exactly the same as the question of a gun and bullets. Uh, I'm proud to call myself uh, Smith & Wesson or whatever because I make the best guns, but I can't say how they should be used. That's Nigel Oakes, an ex-ad man and founder of the SCL Group, a pioneer in what he calls weaponised political data. And there he was speaking in an eye-opening new documentary called Influence. Also in that documentary, another Brit in the manipulation and persuasion game, Tim Bell. He was the PR man for Margaret Thatcher's Conservative Party in the 1980s, designing campaigns to win hearts and minds and votes of the British public. They made him Sir Tim Bell and later Lord Bell. And he then went on to found the PR firm Bell Pottinger, which became notorious for taking on international clients with shocking reputations. But the reputation of his own company was dented in 2016 when it was revealed that the United States Department of Defense had paid Bell Pottinger more than 500 million US dollars to create ad campaigns, fake news and even fake terrorism videos during the second Iraq war. And his company was then killed off completely in 2017 when Bell Pottinger was accused of exploiting racial tension in South Africa in the interests of the super-rich Gupta family and its mega-company Oak Bay Investments. Its connections to South Africa's former President Zuma led to his downfall, but Sir Tim Bell memorably tried to claim it was nothing to do with him in a now notorious BBC television interview. Very disappointing. What went wrong? Um, I think it's... It can be best be summed up by Walter Scott. Elder Tangle Webb, we were firstly practised to deceive. Um, you were the man who went out to South Africa to secure this deal. Yes. You know, you know, this... Sorry about that. Don't worry. You went out to, to, to secure the deal. Since that, both Tim Bell and Nigel Oakes were both diagnosed with terminal illnesses and both agreed to talk to two investigative journalists from the South African news website, The Daily Maverick, and the result was the extraordinary documentary, Influence. (coughs) I've had just about every piece of filth written about me. I just think maybe if I just told the truth for once, told the whole story, maybe I'll be better judged. 
the story of Timbal is really the story of influence over the last 50 years. Now you moved advertising into a workable weapon. Now, influence is much more than just the story of one extraordinary player in the public relations game. It's about the weaponising of advertising techniques for political purposes and what goes on in an industry operating behind the scenes, far from the public gaze, where it's not at all clear who's paying what are sometimes colossal bills. And what can happen when it goes wrong for the company, the client and ordinary people who are caught in the crossfire. You know, for South Africans to discover that a British... PR firm has arrived here and is telling us about radical economic transformation and is inciting racial tension, that's a bridge too far. Throughout 2016, the controversy surrounding Oak Bay Capital's white monopoly campaign grew. And in the summer of 2017, the media coverage of the scandal became front-page news and the social media chatter poisonous. The film also notes the rise in recent years of the advent of big data and digital platforms after they influenced the conduct and, depending on who you believe, the outcomes of elections overseas. Richard Poplack and Diana Neal are the award-winning South African political journalists who made the documentary Influence, tracking the downfall of Bell Pottinger and its interventions in other countries' politics. So, with an election on the way here, do they reckon we need to be wary? Diana, if I could put this question to you. Uh, interesting that the epic story, uh, it came from, uh, I guess, collaborative work between the Daily Maverick and uh, international investigative journalists. Um, how was that managed? And, and is it significant that it was done this way and not by perhaps a major established name in South African publishing or broadcasting? There were international journalists covering this story in the aftermath. But at the time, it was all it was all a team of local journalists you know, usually newsrooms are incredibly competitive spaces, but our editor, Branko Brickett at Daily Maverick, uh, is a different sort of human, and uh, he realized quite quickly this was going to be a way more effective project if it was done collaboratively. And so the idea was to bring uh, investigative journalists from Daily Maverick, from an organization called Amabungane, which is also an investigative unit uh, here in South Africa, very, very good one, uh, and News24, which is a, a big, uh, big outlet here as well. And so they kind of set to work uh, as a team uh, and had a, a system of, of, of putting stories out across the, the three platforms. Uh, and then that, of course, was picked up by the international press, often, I, I might add, with, with very little credit uh, from some of the bigger names, which was disappointing. But the, the point is that the story got, got out there. Uh, and indeed, within a few months, I think in February of the next year, uh, Jacob Zuma, our president at the time, stepped down uh, as president. Uh, and Colin, if I, if I may add, what South Africa is blessed with is some of the best investigative journalists in the world. And I very much exclude myself from that group, but uh, stunningly good investigative journalists who know how to, um, who know how to properly frame a story and who know how to dig deep. We're also blessed with a small but significant portion of the population who understands the value of investigative journalists um, and who are willing to donate uh, and to uh, philanthropically back um, our endeavors. Um, and, and I think in a way what we've been able to find here is new models for maintaining very, very expensive investigative journalism projects because there's a portion of the population that understands the upside. Um, and I feel incredibly blessed to live in a country where, where that is the case. Also in the film, we see uh, the company at work in 
Iraq, post-conflict Iraq. And effectively, their mission there was very different. They were charged with some kind of PR nation-building exercise. And the figure mentioned somewhere in there is $500 million US dollars. It's an extraordinary sum for basically public relations. The actual number was probably close to around $100 million a year. They were there for around eight years. So you're talking close to a billion dollars. I'm not sure there is any other precedent for that or any corollary. When they were contracted by the Pentagon, effectively what the Pentagon wanted was the usual uh, we're amazing campaign. A, a couple of, of, of adverts, very well made, very well executed, nice, moody music that were effectively unbranded. So now we start to walk into this gray area of uh, weaponized communication where no one really knows who's made these, these adverts. No one really knows why they've been made. So off they go. These two or three commercials that they're initially contracted to make for the Iraqi television stations turns into over 600 commercials that they've made. No one knows a thing about this. And it was, again, dogged journalism, this time on, the, on behalf of the Bureau of Investigative Journalism in the UK, who exposed uh, Bell Pottinger had, I think, the third biggest contract. It was an astonishing amount of money. And they worked, the work they did was effectively garbage. Yeah, there's a remarkable scene in the film where there's two guys. One uh, is an expat uh, who was working on the project. One is a local uh, guy, Iraqi guy, and, and, and one says to the other, did we do propaganda? Was that what we were involved with? Simultaneously, they come up with the opposite answers. One says yes, the other one says no. But towards the end of the film, we see uh, Lord Bell. Um, he is aware that he's unwell and he died not too long after. Uh, and yet... Uh, he's still talking about what he did being, you know, amoral but not immoral. And again, another figure in the film, Nigel Oakes, um, the founder of, um, I think, uh, Behavioural Dynamics and that parent company of Cambridge Analytica, SCL, saying the same thing. I'm just like a weapons manufacturer, you know, Smith & Wesson. They make mm. guns and bullets. The problem is the, the, the people, that what they do with them, nothing to do with me. Uh, Diane and I actually held a webinar for uh, our publication, Daily Maverick, here in South Africa. I, I do urge your readers to look that up. It is a terrifying exposition of the kind of amorality, uh, sociopathology, if you will, that pertains to people who do this type of work. People who joined and, and watched the webinar yesterday were horrified by Nigel's attitude to the work that, that he does. It's very genuine. I'm not trying to get out of, of answering the question here. I genuinely don't know that I'm qualified to say I'm a good guy or a bad guy. I, I just say I'm amoral. Hey, man, it, 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 I build the weapons. What people do with them is what people do with them. Uh, it's up to you guys to play nice. It, it was horrifying, I think, for South African audiences to get a taste of the type of men, and most of them are men, who have meddled in elections in our country and many others over the course of the last 25 years. And Colin, it goes one step further, I think, as well, in that when you listen to the language that both men employ, it's not just, oh, well, you know, we're, we're, we're neutral. We just make the, the weapons. It's, there's a sense uh, of, of, of providing a service or helping people. Tim often talked about helping people with problems. Um, you know, and, and Nigel used similar language. You know, I don't, I, I'm helping to, 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 to get war out, out of our societies and, and to stop people from bombing each other. So in, 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 in effect, I'm doing something good for the world. 
Uh, and it's terrifying to think that, that these people who have so much power, were so influential and so well-connected, uh, in some ways really did see themselves as, as providing something positive for the world. And it's just interesting to see after all these years, after such long careers, uh, they still defend their actions. Do you actually credit, though, uh, Diana, Lord Bell with a degree of you know, transparency and truth-telling uh, in, his, in his final times? Because, for example, at one point in the film, he's talking about how he famously helped um, Margaret Thatcher to win three elections in a row in the UK. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s. And, and then he's talking about Rupert Murdoch. He says, Rupert Murdoch rang me up one day and said, I want you to succeed in getting her elected. Uh, tell me what my papers should say and I'll ensure they say it. Now, this is the sort of thing mm-hmm. that editors of his papers, even those who've, who've been fired and, and left the company, do not say. They, they all claim that it didn't work like that and it's not true that it's uh, simply Murdoch calling the shots. Um, do we have to credit him with actually being willing to put some things out there in the open about how that influence industry works uh, before he died? I think he would say things to provoke, say things um, that were half true or uh, half complete. Certainly, I think he was someone who was very much in command of what he said and didn't say. Um, at the same time, also a complex person and a complex character, which it makes him all the more interesting, of course. Sometimes he couldn't help himself. He loved to name drop he loved to be associated with people of power um, and would readily talk about stories um, that might be more revealing of his character than perhaps he, he intended. Um, and so in that way, I, you know, I, I think I, I vacillate. Sometimes I think he was, he was, it was remarkable that he was so open. Sometimes I think that he just enjoyed to talk about himself. Well, the, the other extraordinary figure in the film, uh, Nigel Oakes, who we mentioned there, um, he talks about it took years to get the tactics of advertising and working out how people feel about things and to turn you know those into a, a, a kind of bring them to bear on politics and political discussion but then uh, you have him saying now with big data we're bringing science into this and we can turn it into an actual political weapon and do we here in New Zealand need to be wary even though we're not a major player on the world stage that um, that these sorts of things could happen here um, I don't think there's any doubt that if you consider yourself a Democrat, you should consider your elections to, to a degree under threat from manipulation. I mean, I don't think anyone should have any doubts about that. Uh, we need to be extraordinarily vigilant in how our institutions are managed. Parties and political actors have the right to persuade audiences that their point of view, that their candidates, that their uh, policies are the best. There's no doubt about that. The question is how they go about that. What are the tactics that, that, that they use? Understanding now that some of these things are, are, are actual weapons. No one really knows how these weapons work. Nigel Oakes and others within the industry may insist that there are measurable sort of factors that, that come into play with their methodology. But Diana and I have never been able to ascertain whether or not that's true. What I will say is this. What these weapons are very good at is sowing chaos. That leads to outcomes that are very, very, very uncertain. Um, there's, no, there's no doubt that New Zealand should be having an argument about who, what the best way forward is in, in this election. No doubt at all. The question is, how is that argument managed? And if the argument is managed by outside actors or by local actors who are malevolent, who are seeking to sow chaos for chaos's ends, and there's much, much money to be made in, in, in chaos, then we have a problem. And that's the status 
of many of our democracies right now. It's certainly the case here in South Africa, where we can't have a coherent conversation about our politics because there's no way to have it any longer. Um, and that is a very, very dangerous place to be. And I, and, and, you know, I deeply hope as one of the, as one of the countries holding, uh, uh, elections in 2020, perhaps one of the most febrile and, and dangerous years in human history, I would like to think that New Zealanders will, will get it right. That was Richard Poplack, and we also heard there from Diana Neal, directors of the documentary film Influence, which examines the shady world of political influence for hire and how the global PR firm Bell Pottinger's conduct destroyed the company and the reputation of its founder, Tim Bell. Influence is screening on Wednesday, July the 1st at the Dock Edge Documentary Film Festival, which is being held this year online only for COVID-19 reasons. You can visit the Dock Edge website for details, dockedge.nz.